0: You're listening to Skullcrack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by. Kieran. And Alan. All right, Kieran, how's it going?
1: Hey, Wolf. What's up? We are uh, sadly not joined by the one, the only Alan Harrison this week.
0: Yeah, we are not. He's, uh, I'm just going to say that he's, like, asleep or something. That's probably where he is. That's what happened at yeah. the time, so.
1: I think that's just what we say every time now. No matter who's missing,
0: they're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's
1: like, in, uh, have you watched The Irishman? Did you watch that?
0: No, actually, I haven't.
1: <laughs> okay, I won't get into it then. But uh, there's, like, there's a funny phrase like that that people use, you know, to mean something else in it. That's quite good. Yeah, yeah.
0: I haven't uh, set aside the six hours or whatever it is that's necessary to watch it
1: yeah it is that it's basically an anime
0: yeah (laughs) can't wait um all right so we've uh more teros beyond death previews to talk about today and we have some adventures in modern to hear about from yourself (laughs) that says it all uh but before we kick it off i'll just uh talk about our uh affiliate program with inkedgaming.com So, the way it's set up now, we actually have our own vanity URL to send you to, which is inkedgaming.com forward slash skullcrack, S K U L L C R A I C. And if you uh, click on that link in the show notes and head on over there, you can order yourself a custom playmat with any art you want on there. You can order other gaming accessories such as sleeves and dice and those kind of things, bags uh you can order a few board games and things like that and uh yeah it's it's pretty sweet over there and you'll get 10 percent off your order just by clicking through on that link in the show notes uh we had one of our constant listeners uh eamon ordered a, a small playmat off them i believe with a, a kiln fiend kiln fiend art on it so yeah
1: it couldn't have been anything else for eamon sharps and had to be Kilnfiend, fiend obviously
0: exactly exactly very on brand so uh yeah hope he enjoys that one and, uh, yeah, if, if you, too, want to avail of that offer, you can just click through the link in the show notes or just uh, type in inkgaming.com forward slash skullcrack.
1: Yeah, right. and you can get whatever you want, even if it breaks copyright. Is that correct, David?
0: That is... I will not categorically say that because...
1: No, I believe that's, yeah, probably not true. So you can't get any uh, Baby Yoda playmats, sadly, I imagine.
0: Well, look, I'm sure there's a lot of um open open source Baby Yoda <laughs> art <Opa. open> <laughs> i don't know what (laughs) could that be the episode title please open source baby yoda (laughs) yeah yes um (laughs) i don't i don't can't remember the word for the equivalent of open source but in art and music and things like that what's what's the word for that
1: like the creative commons license or whatever
0: yeah yeah like that yeah i'm sure there's lots of fan art of, of baby yoda out there that you'll be free to use but uh you know just contact the artist before you do it i'm sure they'll Sure contact baby yoda please yes exactly contact baby yoda for further business inquiries uh and with that we'll get into the peros beyond death previews uh, so we did start these last week but we got up through the big ox pretty much and uh we have some more exciting stuff coming so we'll just kind of take it we won't go through every single one we'll just pick out the highlights here so maybe kieran do you want to do you want to go first say say your piece about whatever interesting cards you like here
1: um yeah sure thing i guess we already said off mic we weren't going to talk about it but uh kuneros hound of atrios was the last rare spoiled on monday which is a 3-3 hound with vigilance menace and lifelink it says creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield and players can't cast spells from graveyards so even though we said we weren't going to mention this it actually just came to my mind that in Pioneer, this is very interesting because people are playing a Soul Flayer deck uh, in Pioneer at the moment. And this is a pretty decent 3 3 for 3 with three good abilities. So that's something to look out for in the Soul Flayer deck in Pioneer.
0: Oh, okay. I was like, what, am, what are you talking about? This doesn't do anything against Soul Flayer. But you mean in the Soul... In
1: the deck. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's like it could be a sideboard
1: card where if you're against a graveyard deck you know, you can play it as a hate piece and it also helps out your soul flare. Like, that's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, that's kind of nice as a, um, yeah, it's like doing double duty there, right? That's, you, you can, you can do it, exile exile it with your soul flare to give it abilities, but also it uh, keeps other graveyard decks in check. Yeah, that's, that's a nice thing. Yeah, build.
1: like it's it's, it's, it's almost all the text of Grafdigger's Cage, except for it doesn't work against libraries, only graveyards.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, so I just wanted to mention that.
0: That's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. Uh okay I'll pick out something here that I like uh treacherous blessing have we have we talked about that because I think this is one of the cards that was like spoiled like really early I know that we didn't talk but we chose not to talk about those in the podcast but maybe, yeah yeah we did yeah privately I can't remember uh anyway I think this is an awesome card it's a tuna black for an enchantment when it enters the battlefield draw three cards whenever you cast a spell you lose a life and when it becomes the target of a spell or ability sacrifice it so even if you if you never sacrifice this, I mean, that's kind of bad. But you can lose one life a fair few times before it starts to matter, right?
1: I think so, right? So, like, if you take this as... What was the Converge card the the that you could draw three and lose three life if you paid three different colors of mana?
0: Um, Another one you're talking about. Um, Something Downfall, was that what it was called?
1: I can't remember what it was called. But, yeah, it was basically like... A, converge was was what that was called called right
0: yeah yeah <laughs> no? yeah you could spend different colors of mana to increase yeah
1: yeah yeah so it was it was two and a two and a black for it or whatever and uh if you spent three colors you got you got three cards if you spent two colors you got two cards for your three mana and you lost two life so that card was like extremely playable in standard like that was it was really good and that required a three color deck to get your three cards and lose your three life yeah so if you can, like, make this work so you lose, like, three life maximum before you deal with it, then it seems, like, insanely good to me.
0: Yeah, and, like, the, the first thing, obviously, that comes to your mind when you look at this card, for most people, in standard at least, is going to be Doom Told, right? Because you can play this, the turn before, Doom Told, and then you just, you know, you lose one life when you play the Doom Foretold, and then you just sack it when it comes back to your turn.
1: Yep, super, super good. Also, in, like, a super planeswalker heavy deck if your deck is just like removal this and planeswalkers you can like maybe kill all their stuff refill your hand and then play a couple of planeswalkers and just win the game off them and not have to cast that many spells afterwards
0: yeah yeah that seems very good also if you're playing it in like a blue black deck you might be able to uh, target it with brazen borrower or... no that's not good actually because then you don't get the brazen Borrower. also that's your only your opponent stuff never mind
1: yeah, they don't let you have fun like that anymore, sadly. Yeah, I'm not sure it, how easy it is to actually remove this while still playing good cards in your deck. Mm. Like, if you think of, like, cards you can actually target your own enchantments with, there's not that many of them.
0: Yes, that is true. There are not that many of those cards, I feel.
1: Like, if you're playing Esper, you could minus to fairy on it then you don't get to draw the card off the Teferi ability, but you sacrifice this.
0: Yeah, that's not bad.
1: Like, that's pretty dire straits, though. You would still prefer to just play the Teferi and bounce there thing.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: I think it's quite good. I don't know. I think the raw power is there. Like, um, well, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. We do live in a world where Red has a one mana draw to. <laughs> like, light up the stage is kind of what I'm comparing this to at the moment, which is obviously not exactly a good comparison, but... I feel like the power level of, like, draw spells is, is very, very high right now in most colors.
0: Yeah, that's true. We we also have a... I can't remember if we talked about this last week. I think we did. Uh, Thirst for Meaning. The Yeah, we talked about it last week. The three mana, uh, draw three, and then discard two in blue is, like, comparable if you're discarding an enchantment. Obviously, if you discard two, then it's just filtering. If you discard one because it's an enchantment, then it's, like, getting close up there in terms of treacherous blessing because like realistically treacherous blessing especially if you're on the draw you're probably gonna have to discard one of those cards right
1: yeah yeah exactly you can't just cast a a divination on the draw yeah i'm i'm extremely high on thirst for meaning i didn't get to talk about it last week because i wasn't here but i i think that card is really really good and again that's just what i'm speaking to in that yeah card draw is is pretty pushed right now so I know Black doesn't really have any good card draw right now, so it's kind of not a, a 100% comparison, but this card is going to have to be very good if it wants to compete with what's out there.
0: Yeah, another interesting thing about this card is that it has kind of anti-synergy with escape cards because it do, it's not a sorcery, so it doesn't fuel your other escape cards uh, unless you, you, you have a way to target it somehow.
1: Yeah, very true, very true. I think it's this is one we're going to have to play with, I guess, and just see how easy it is to actually deal with this, even if you build your deck around it a little bit. But the raw power is there, like three cards for three mana is is just very good.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you want to choose one? Uh, yeah,
1: sure thing. I will choose a super boring one, but I'm very excited about it. It is Banishing Light. Um, this card is super powerful. For anyone who doesn't know, it's two and a white for an enchantment when Banishing Light ETBs, Exile, target non-land permanent at opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. So it cannot target your own treacherous blessing, unfortunately. Um, but this is just a an absolute staple for a long time in Magic. It used to be called Oblivion Ring, now it's called Banishing Light um and i think this is a much needed boost to white's power level in standard just three mana unconditional enchantment removal uh, it's great to see it again obviously in Theros, it's super good because uh, it provides a devotion pip and i think this is just a, a really good step in the right direction for white
0: yeah i'm pretty excited to see it and like uncommon for draft as well it's pretty good but we do already have prison realm right i know i know that this gets any permanent so it is significantly better than prison realm most of the time or maybe not significantly better. there have
1: been several times i've cast prison realm in standard and gone oops it doesn't get what i want it to get so yeah i think just any non-land permanent is just uh, i will play this over prison realm for sure
0: yeah like there are a number of decks right now that are big that depend on enchantments and artifacts right so there's like um there's fires of invention there's witch's oven there's trailer crumbs and you know yeah. then the, of course the normal creatures planeswalkers all that stuff so,
1: yeah and if you're thinking like oh i don't want to take a witch's oven with this imagine you're playing like white weenie and you have no other way in your deck to actually remove the witch's oven and otherwise the cat just gets to keep blocking you every turn you'll be delighted to have a banishment light to get rid of it
0: yeah, whereas if you in the same situation you had Prison Realm, you'd be like, oh my god, my opponent has to be an idiot for me to ever exalt this cat with this Prison Realm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's good. Also, you know, noteworthy that there are plenty of ways to deal with enchantments at the moment as well. There's like Brontodon and there's Brazen Borrower and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not it's not the be all and end all, but it is very, very good.
1: Yeah, it's re- it's really good. It's just the power level is there, so I like it.
0: All right, what about uh, Nadir Kraken? Do you like that?
1: Uh, so Nadir Kraken, one blue blue for a two three. It's a creature kraken. Whenever you draw a card, you may pay one. If you do, put a counter on it and create a one one blue tentacle creature token. I like the fact that it creates tentacles. That's That's pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably what I like the most about it. Otherwise it seems a little bit slow. You gotta untap with it most of the time and then pay a mana to uh, to get the little bit of benefit out of it. Like it seems a little bit slow and underwhelming to me.
0: Yeah, the yeah, the tentacle for me is the is the really key part. Um if you're just putting a counter on it, that's no good because like Brazen Borrower, as I said, is one of the most played cards in standard. If you were just putting counters on this every time and paying one for that privilege then you know you'd be pretty sad when you pay that that mana and then it gets bounced. But because you're getting the tentacles and each one is a separate creature token, you you have kind of that guaranteed value every time. So you're paying one mana and you're getting two two of stats every single time. So I think it's quite good. Um I think it's probably pushing this kind of play spells on your opponent's turn thing that people are um that people, that wizards are pushing in this set. Um
1: yeah like i i agree with that right but like okay well the two problems i have with it are one it's three mana for a two three which is very underwhelming at at a hard to cast mana cost and as well in the early game when like early mid game when you're paying to cast a card to draw a spell on your opponent's turn are you really going to have them also have the mana left over to pay one and do something else relevant in that turn cycle you know what i mean it seems like a like a lot to ask
0: well like my thought is you can have you know like in a flash deck you have up your your counter spell and then you can you know if if your opponent declines to pay anything to, to play anything you can like opt and then pay the one or there's the there's a new um think twice variant with escape you can just play that and pay the one
1: yeah but like in your flash deck when are you ever tapping out for the three mana to play the 2-3 in the first place? You know what I mean? Aren't those the turns that you need to leave your mana up?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, no, I can see there is there could be a deck for this and there could be synergies and everything. I could see it being playable, but it's not one that screams out to me. And it's mostly just the baseline stats. I think if this was a 2-4 instead of a 2-3, I'd be way more
0: into it. Yeah, or a 3-2. <laughs> That'd
1: be cool. It's not very octopus-y sort of uh, stats, though. 3-2. No, well,
0: this is a Kraken.
1: That's an octopus. Everyone knows that.
0: Yeah, true. Um. All right. Well, Like, yeah, the, the whole the whole theme of Flash and play stuff in your opponent's turn that Blue has in this set is kind of at odds with itself because a lot of the abilities are actually on creatures that don't have Flash. They're like, if you play a spell in your opponent's turn, you, gets, you can play it for one less or something like that. Uh, but then the creature itself is just like a, a bog standard non-flash creature. So there's there's definitely a, a tension there. So I don't know if we'll see that really come to fruition. That's not really what you want in your flash deck. Um, but this one strikes me as a card that is definitely playable. It could be maybe, uh, I don't know, like a, a sideboard control card. So you can generate a lot of blockers or something. You can play it on turn five. And play opt, and then you get a tentacle straight away. It's probably better to just play mesmerizing bented, I guess, in that situation. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like it just seems like the bad situations are bad with this card, and the good situations aren't that good.
0: All right. Well, what about Heliod Suncrowned? Crowned? Into that one.
1: Yeah. Well, it was my turn, but that was actually what I was going to choose anyway, so that's fine.
0: Because I I knew you were going to do that, so I just yeah.
1: exactly so yeah this is kind of the elephant in the room at the moment uh for anyone who's been following pioneer so but for anyone who hasn't seen this card yet uh heliod suncrowned two and a white for a legendary enchantment creature god indestructible as long as your devotion to white is less than five heliod isn't a creature so normal god stuff so far whenever you gain life put a plus one plus one counter on target creature or enchantment you control And then he has the activated ability, pay one and a white, another target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. And he is a 5-5. So uh, just to get get it out of the way, we may as well talk about this aspect first, I guess. Um, This is an infinite combo with walking ballista in any format where they're both legal. So if you play a 2-2 ballista or bigger, give it lifelink using Heliod's ability and then shoot your opponent, it will then get the counter back and you can shoot your opponent again and, and so forth and kill them. So people are a little bit scared about this in Pioneer. So what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, um it's interesting when you actually think about the play pattern of this guy and walking ballista. To set it up can be a little bit convoluted, right? You can't do it any earlier than turn five?
1: You can do it on turn three if you play Radiant Fen and have a Mana Dork, but that's a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, but I, I'm thinking about just with these two cards. You right, yeah, yeah. Earlier than, no, sorry, turn four turn is Maria. the you can do it. If you only have these two cards and lands, of course. Um,
1: yeah, true four then yeah
0: you can no
1: sorry not turn four because uh the ballista can't be a one one it has to be at least a two two
0: yeah no but uh you can do it on turn four by playing ballista on turn two as a one one then heliod on turn three then turn four uh oh, what the activate the ability of heliod on the ballista and then oh attack and, right yeah and then yeah, yeah. it gets a counter so the yeah the important the key part here is that you can't have a ballista on one just to do this Uh, You have to have, the Ballista has to have some way to have um, one toughness after you've taken the first counter off in order to keep doing the combo. That could be either through a mass pump from something like, I don't know, Banalish Marshall, or it could be through the the Ballista naturally having more than one counter on it. Um, But yeah, there are other ways to enable it, like something like, um, like you said, Radium Fountain or Daxos or other things that give you life triggers, um, like Lindum. Yeah.
1: so the fastest you can do it, I believe, is you go turn one Lanor Elves, uh, turn two Heliod, uh, turn three uh, Ballista uh, for two. Play Radiant Fountain uh, to give a life link, right?
0: Um, yeah, because then the Radiant Fountain will give you four mana on turn. If you, yeah, if you play that, it'll give the.
1: Sorry, Ballista for one, then play Radiant Fountain. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, then you'll have enough mana to. Uh where you put, put a counter on from the Radium Fountain and then you'll have enough mana to give it lifelink as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. So but so that's you have to be green white, you have to be in this weird deck with these cards. Land or elves obviously kind of works with everything, but so there are a bunch of ways to do it. Nobody knows how this is gonna shake out yet, if it's gonna be a kind of green ramp deck with collected company. To get this going, is it just going to be a mono white deck that's like a, a mid-range or an aggro deck that also just plays Walking Ballista and Heliod as like a backdoor combo that just wins the game late game? You know, is it going to be play play other life gain cards as well to be more into the combo? You know, it's nobody really knows what's going on, but people are scared of this as being busted, basically. Like, uh, two cards that win on the spot is scary, even if it doesn't just happen on turn three or four, you know?
0: Yeah, so like it's not the same as the the Saheli cat combo because that was just like a very consistent turn turn four with very little setup. Um,
1: that was also in three colors, though. This is in one color.
0: Yeah, so that that's the kind of scary thing. And also, this is two cards that are like walking Ballista is incredibly good. It's one of the probably one of the best cards ever printed. And Heliod himself looks like no slouch. So yeah,
1: whereas whereas Sahili you wouldn't put either of those cards in a normal deck, basically.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: and that was still the best thing in the format to do. So it is scary, you know.
0: It definitely is. Yeah, it definitely is. I I mean I think that this format has has legs. This format, this um this combo has legs, and that's, that's not a pun. Um, but I don't. Th- it doesn't strike me as being too good for some reason. It's just I. Th- I th-
1: I think it is too good. Do you think? I, like, it's, it's so funny that we're coming out at this from different ways. I just think, like, if you told me you have to build a white aggro deck, except for here's your two restrictions. You have to play Walking Ballista. Oh, no, what a terrible card. And you have to play this Heliod card. I'd be like, fine. You know, I'd already be okay with that, even if this combo didn't exist. I'm, I'd be like, I'm sure this deck is playable. And then if you told me, oh, these two cards went on the spot together, I'd be like, cool, I'm in.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, Walking Ballista on its own is so good that it's kind of egregious for it to be part of a two-card combo that wins on the spot.
0: Yeah, but, like, it's not a card that you would traditionally put in, like, a white weenie deck.
1: No, but people are playing it as one of the payoffs in the Green Devotion deck at the moment in Pioneer, and you could just splash white and just have that be Plan B in that deck, you know what I mean? Like, there's... there's, It just... Like there's so many ways to build this that obviously we haven't thought of and people are going to be working on it at the moment, but it just seems like walking ballista is too good a card for, for this to be a thing. Like if you think of splinter twin, like Exarch and twin, neither of those are good cards and that had to be banned from modern Sahelian Felidar. Neither of those are good cards. And that had to be banned from pioneer and standard. Both of these cards on their own seem better, way better than any of those cards. And that seems like it's going to be a problem.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. When we talk about it in that way, it does kind of seem like it's probably too much. Um, Yeah, like... Like,
1: imagine the games where they just play, like, Heliod and White Weedy creatures, and you just can't use your removal on the creatures that are beating you down, because in case they have a ballista, you're just going to die very quickly to, like, the Dauntless bodyguards and whatever.
0: Yeah, or or they put that beatdown plan on the table, and then... And then you wrath, and then Heliod's left behind after the wrath, obviously, because...
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, Supreme Verdict is one of the best cards in the format as well at the moment, but Heliod doesn't give a shit.
0: Yeah, and then they just go, okay, Ballistic kill you.
1: Exactly, yeah, like, they tap out for the wrath, and you just win the next turn. Like, this seems ridiculous. And this is only us thinking of the white weenie version. Like, Like, Heliod can be gotten with Collected Company... Ballista cannot, which is one of the only things I think is salvageable. I think if both those cards could be gotten with Collected Company, we it would be a foregone conclusion that the deck is just completely broken. But like Bant Company was the best deck in standard for a long time. People are currently playing it in Pioneer. You know, you have Deputy of Detention, Reflector Mage, Tireless Tracker, Spell Queller, like all these insane cards. You could just play that deck with like one copy of Heliod and or two and like a couple of ballistas. And just not even worry about it and then the turn you happen to hit your Heliod off your company, you just you just untap and play Ballista and win. Like that seems insane. You can play Teferi in that deck as well, so they can't even interrupt the combo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that does seem good. And also, sometimes you can get walking ballista off uh off a, a company if you have say banalish marshal in your deck.
1: That's... Very true, very true. Yeah. But then you gotta spend the mana to give it a counter, but yeah true
0: yeah maybe maybe you're right I've, i've seen a lot of people saying like oh this will be banned at some point in the future and i was like nah it's fine but uh yeah maybe i'm being swayed to that to that uh idea
1: i mean so we're we're going to uh magic fest brussels at the end of this month and it's pioneer and i'm very excited and i can't wait to play pioneer for the first time Uh, You know, the first really big Pioneer tournament, it's going to be the Mythic Championship format. We get to play the GP. That's awesome. I really hope it's not uh, a Heliod Ballista format. I just think it's so bad for the first showing of Pioneer at a really high level. I think it won't be fun on the day, whether we're playing the deck or have to play against it every round. Like... We're gonna see when the full spoiler is out whether this is a problem, because people will start brewing and people will find out very quickly if it's good, because people realized Fellow Dar was broken before the set even came out. It's gonna be the same with this, especially with the pros testing before before the format comes out. And it's not gonna stay secret because we live in a different world world now of Discords and Reddit and you know, people are sharing information. So they might have to like ban one of these two cards from Pioneer before Brussels uh, before the mythic championship, because it's going to look so bad on coverage. If all the pros realize this is broken and build it.
0: Um, I don't think that they're going to do that. I think it'll be at least legal for Brussels.
1: Well, we got to find the best version then (laughs) because I'm not going to another goddamn tournament and playing some deck and just getting sideswept by this kind of nonsense. Yeah. Um, flash forward to my modern segment later. Wait, Wait till you hear about it.
0: There, there are ways to, to break up the, uh, the combo, even if the opponent has, like, for example, Teferi on the other side, like you can, well, we'll probably talk more about it in, in coming weeks, but uh for, you know, when we're talking. I don't
1: think there are, are there?
0: Well, there's uh, Rampaging for Ocidon, Players can't gain life, right?
1: Sure. Okay. But like, okay, but when you're talking about, presumably you're already playing a decent deck, like this company deck or mono white, whatever we're talking about, and then you have like an answer in the sideboard. It's like they still have a plan apart from the combo most of the time, you know? I don't think that's good enough. Blue white control players can put Solemnity in their deck and that'll be good, but they'll still just get beaten down and have to deal with an indestructible Heliod.
0: Yeah. But we'll
1: see how it works out. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just I'm I'm just worried about the the first big showing for Pioneer and how this is gonna color the format, you know?
0: Hmm. I mean I d I don't think it's gonna be everywhere purely because we just don't have enough time to test. Like it's it's only we're basically three weeks away from this now. Um or slightly yep. more than three weeks away, so uh I just don't think it's gonna be figured out well enough for everybody to be on it, especially not on the GP side. Um on the player tour side, maybe there's gonna be big pro teams who 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 take it. Um, but even still it won't be everyone it's going to be us.
1: I'm telling you. Could be. Get those odds. Anyway, so I feel like we've covered this. What do you think about this card for standard?
0: Yeah, I think it's really good in standard. Um we do have a lot of life game payout. Like there's you know pe- people occasionally play these those uh Ajani's Pride Mate style decks and I think they're like fine aggro decks. Um we have yep. Steadfast Queen from uh from Throne of Eldraine. Pretty much one of the only ones of that cycle that didn't see play. But she obviously does a lot with this. Not only does she allow you to gain life when all your creatures attack, so you get you basically get a mass pump off her with this. Plus, she also has... You know, she costs three white, so you're getting most of the way towards your devotion for Heliod there. Um, You have stuff like Healer's Hawk to...
1: Yeah, Healer's Hawk is insane. I was going to say that. It's so good.
0: Yeah. And
1: Already I... has been a playable standard card without this.
0: I think it's, it's pretty sweet that... This can put counters on itself when it's not a creature, like it's an enchantment. So just so you can stack them there if you're afraid of a wrath or whatever.
1: Yeah, sure. And uh, as well, if you have multiple creatures with lifelink, uh, that is multiple counters. It counts as multiple events of gaining life for anyone who doesn't realize. Yeah. So like this is just a very strong card. Even in the games where you don't get to go off with the lifelink stuff, it's still like an indestructible 5-5 you know that you sometimes just get to be down with i think this card's great just think it's very good
0: yeah i think it it is really good um and could potentially lead to somewhat of a resurgence for uh for some kind of mono white aggro type deck
1: yep and i think banishing light as i said as well as a step towards that and it's very much appreciated (laughs) because i feel like white players we've seen a lot of moaning online the last couple months and justifiably so white has gotten the shaft the last while it's nice to see some strong white cards get printed
0: yeah one actually thing that just uh, i just remembered is with this card and walking Ballista is arcanist l
1: oh that that card is very very good
0: yeah. right now so that
1: devotion oh.
0: it provides four devotion but it also fetches like so you look at i can't remember how many cards you look at i think it's the top four four yeah you choose an enchantment or an artifact and put it in your hand. Uh, so obviously that gets both Heliod and Walking Ballista. So
1: yeah, that's pretty insane. I don't know if that's going to be the thing because I feel like, I t- yeah, maybe, maybe. But I feel like that card is probably not good enough for it on its own to make the deck. I, like I feel like if if in a mono deck, I feel like it will be less combo oriented and. You know, the Helio Ballista thing will just be a backdoor. And in like a band company deck, you obviously can't play the uh, the Owl because the mana cost is too restrictive. So and you can't hit it off company. But yeah, we'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah, um, it's, you know, it's, it's available there as a more like if you want to build a more combo focused version of the deck. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I believe that was your choice, but you can do another one if you want.
1: Um, from Tuesday's cards, I don't know if I have another one that I'm interested in. Do you?
0: Nah, skip on.
1: Actually, I guess the the birth of uh, Meletus is pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's okay. It's kind of reminds me of um, Wall of Omens, but...
1: Way worse, I think.
0: Worse and better in some ways, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen this one, this is The Birth of Meletus is one in the white for an enchantment saga. Uh, I presume we all remember how those work. Uh, first chapter is search your library for a basic plains, put it in your hand, shuffle your library. The second chapter is create a zero four 4 uh, wall with defender, and the third chapter is you gain two life. I think this card is possibly a good sideboard card f- against aggro, but... A huge problem is that the first and second chapters aren't reversed. It would be so much better if you got the wall first and then you got to search for the planes the next turn. But thematically, that doesn't work because the idea of the saga is you're uh, building a city. So the first thing you have to do is find the land, then you have to build the walls, and then you gain the life, which is like the city growing. So it's a very cool like, flavor card for magic and i think it's one of the best sagas in terms of telling a story like that so i actually love this card uh, on that front but i think in terms of playability because you have to wait a turn for the zero four i'm not sure if it's actually playable
0: yeah that is that is actually a really cool flavor that I, I hadn't even considered it i was just like what is this random assortment of abilities
1: it's awesome yeah meletus is the the city i think in the story and the, the saga of how it got founded which is awesome
0: yeah, I think I think uh, Maltus is is like kind of the equivalent of of Thebes in Greek mythology. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's sweet. And yeah, I think
1: yeah, look, it's still a lot of value. It, that's the thing.
0: It is for two mana. That's a lot. Like um, like this is like you say. It's a good. It's a good card against aggro. I think it could be a card out of the sideboard for um for control decks against aggro. Um, look what what do they want to do? They want to. They want to draw their lands. They want to make sure that they make their land drops to get to their rats or whatever. Uh, They want to block and they want to gain life. So this does all those things. But yeah. I'd... Yeah,
1: I'd like you might have some decks where like your two drop cards aren't very good against aggro. I know that sounds weird, but like maybe you're playing some kind of combo deck or something where like you like your two drops are like cantrips or they're something like that. You know what I mean? And then like they're dirtly. And this might just be a better option against an aggro deck. I don't know. I could see this seeing play. <laughs> and I just think it's super sweet.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a nice option for sideboards, I think. It also provides I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna say hot take. This card will top a, a pro tour.
0: Mm, in a...
1: a a player's tour.
0: <laughs> Wait, say that again?
1: A player's tour. I mean oh, sorry. Okay.
0: But do you think it'll be in a sideboard or in a main deck?
1: I'm not saying. I just think it will. That's
0: fair. It it also provides devotion for three turns.
1: Yeah, I think, I no, I don't think it'll be in main decks. If it could search for a planes rather than a basic planes, I think it would be kind of insane. But basic planes makes it much worse.
0: That's true, yeah. Yeah, if you could get your Hallowed Fountains off this, that'd be pretty good. Yep. All right. Uh, one I want to talk about, which I mentioned already, is Glimpse of Freedom. So it's uh, one in the blue for an instant, draw a card, and then it has escape, two in the blue, exile five other cards from your graveyard. So. Very similar to Think Twice, except you can keep doing it again and again. However, five other cards is a pretty steep cost. I mean, I can't imagine escaping this more than twice in a game. And even then, you have to not be using your graveyard as a resource other other than that at all.
1: Yeah, that's, that's my problem with it. I think you're going to have better stuff to do with Escape or otherwise with your graveyard than casting this. And I also think like it's not that much better than, uh, what's the jumpstart draw card?
0: Uh, I forget, but I know the one you're talking about, yeah.
1: Yeah, It's, it's again, it's two mana draw card with, with jumpstart. So you only get to do it once, and you have to use a card from your hand. The Phoenix deck's all played it. Maybe the Phoenix deck will play this, but exile, exiling shitloads of cards from your graveyard is kind of scary for Phoenix as well, unless you're super late in the game.
0: Yeah, me and Al were thinking last week that the Phoenix might want the the new Ox, which is Escape Exile 8 cards. So if you're going to do that, I think you don't have room for this.
1: Yeah, for sure. Or they might just play uh, Underworld Breach and flashback like, all their draw spells and removal.
0: I guess, yeah. But wait.
1: Um. But yeah, I don't know.
0: How many Underworld Breach, how many cards do you have to exile for that one? Is it two or three? or? Just two mana
1: to cast it, and then, yeah.
0: No, but it gives everything in your graveyard. Uh... I
1: think it's two. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, uh, equal to the cards, mana cost plus XL3 cards. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it's quite a lot.
1: So, yeah, maybe not. It, it is quite a lot, but, you know, that's that's value even if you only get a couple of your more expensive cards. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that's more for eternal formats, but who knows?
0: All right. Uh, Satessin Petitioner, one green green. It's as Disciple, but it costs one less. <laughs> and it's a two two instead of a three three. It seems like a clear sure. upgrade to yeah, Nilea's Disciple for me, for Pioneer, for example.
1: Sure. All right, let's move on to the next day unless we want to talk about 30 to 50 feral hogs dot magic card.
0: <laughs> you know, what?
1: shout outs to uh Paul O'Shea, by the way, fan of the podcast, who uh misread this card very badly and tried to convince us it was incredibly busted until he actually figured out what it did
0: yeah oh they draw
1: cards (laughs) yeah anyway moving on
0: all right what have you got from the the next day what do you like here
1: well i've got one that i think you love so i'm good well will i steal it from you yeah no i won't do it Uh, all right i'll steal it from you so a rasta of the endless web Two green green for a legendary enchantment creature, spider. It has reach. Uh, it's a 3-5, and it says whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-2 green spider creature token with reach. So it's like baby Ishkana. It's a bit cheaper. You can get it on the board. You don't have to worry about your delirium. And then even if your opponent kills it, you probably get a, a spider token. And if they don't kill it and they have to cast other spells, you slowly get a pretty sick defensive board. So I think this card is like pretty great. I think a big downside is that it's legendary. I think if it wasn't legendary, it would be unreal. But the fact that you can only have one of these in play is kind of a bummer. What do you think?
0: Yeah, it is kind of unfortunate that it's legendary. But I think I feel like this set has had more legendary creatures than usual. Um, I think they, they seem to be kind of using that to balance it a little bit. Because if you have like multiple copies of the same creature on the board in terms of devotion and stuff like that that can start getting out of hand. So I think using legendary as a way to balance that is, is quite interesting. Um, I
1: also think it's just in flavor for the set as well. Like Greek mythology has a lot of legends, so it just makes sense.
0: It is. Yeah, it is. Um, Yeah. I I just love this card. Yeah. Like you said, it it reminded me of Ishkana. And um,
1: you were the first person, by the way, that that I know of that called Ishkana as being incredibly good. Like, head of the internet, you, like, as soon as you saw it, you were like, yep, yeah, this card's insane. Yeah. And you were totally right.
0: Yeah. So maybe I'm right again.
1: Also, with Walking Ballista, you, you did that, I think, mo- ahead of most people. I did. But Walking Ballista was like two euro at pre-release weekend. You played, I think, I think you opened it in your pre-release pool, and you played one game, and you were like, "Lads, this card
0: is broken. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hold on a minute now. <laughs> I can pay four mana? to do." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... But, yeah, Arasta seems sweet. Like you said, you get you get kind of um, guaranteed value if she is removed off the board. Um,
1: For out of 3-5 reach is just, like, super respectable, too.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Just solid defensive stats. This is going to be good in a lot of situations. Um, obviously, like, defensively out of the sideboard. I, I, I don't think, right now, I don't see this being, like, a main deck card. Uh, well, I
1: just don't see a green deck that would want this at the moment. Yeah. But maybe it'll change. I could see this being a main deck card, just green green decks aren't really this style of deck at the moment.
0: No, yeah, this... Yeah, it puts me in mind of Ishkana as well, like, in the sense of what type of deck it would be in, like, in some kind of, like, a value-focused Jundi or or black-green deck.
1: I think people felt like that about Ishkana though, when that set came out, because all the green decks were green white tokens banned company they were all like aggressive so like itch cannot didn't make sense in them or do you think we're maybe falling into the same trap now where we say it doesn't fit with what people are playing so it'll be a sideboard card like i think this could be a big step towards like a new green archetype
0: yeah mm, i mean it's so heavily the, the reason that this might BSI board card is because it's so heavily dependent on what the opponent is doing, right? If if the opponents aren't casting instant and sorcery spells, then it's just a 3-5 reach for 4, which is still fine, but it's not something that you'd want to put in your deck. Um,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, it really does depend on what other people are doing. However, that said, actually, now that I think about it, there are a lot more instants and sorceries hanging around at the moment purely because of, um, what the hell is that mechanic called? Adventure. So a lot of people are trying to adventure before they cast their creatures, so maybe.
1: Yeah, for sure. Although they tend to be cheaper, but yeah, that could be a thing.
0: Yeah, this also blocks uh, Bonecrusher Giant pretty well. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, what else we got here? Got to talk about Pelucranos.
1: All right, let's do it. I'm ready to trash this card. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I think this card is garbage.
0: Okay, hold on. Hold on, we have to read this card. So, Pelucranos Unchained. Two black green, legendary creature, zombie hydra, to zero zero. It enters the battlefield with a plus, sorry, <laughs> with six.
1: Garbage, zero zero for four mana. Terrible.
0: That's terrible. Uh, it enters the battlefield with six plus one plus one counters on it. It escapes with 12 plus one plus one counters on it instead. If damage will be dealt to Pelucranos while well, it has a plus one plus one counter on it, prevent that damage and remove that many plus one plus one counters from it. Uh, and then it has an activated ability, one black green. It fights another target creature. And has escape for six, so four black, green, and exile six other cards from your graveyard. This is just a large, large creature.
1: So it's a four mana, six, six, right? Yeah. Basically. And then next turn you can pay three to fight something. Sounds fine, except for the fact they're just going to kill it every time you cast it, like every single time. You know what I mean? And yeah, you could escape it much later, but... I just don't see it being a thing. I just think it's a vanilla creature. Uh people are like, "Oh, this owns questing beast." Sorry, read questing beast again. You like this questing beast owns this card.
0: Yeah, I uh I fell into that that trap. Yeah. The, so questing beast says damage can't be prevented. So uh yeah, this just it does just trade with Questing Beast.
1: Yeah, it trades for with Questing Beast for seven mana if you want to fight it. So, like, good luck. And the Questing Beast has already dealt you four damage, probably.
0: Well, it can just block Questing Beast also.
1: Yeah, true, true. But, like, yeah, again, it's like it's not great. I don't know. I just don't see it. Yeah, it's a big vanilla creature. I feel like removal has just reached the point now where you will just spend four mana on this. It will die every time to someone trading up in mana against you. You know, they'll, they'll, uh, you know, murder swift end it from murderous rider or they'll counter it or whatever, uh, whatever, you know, Chupacabra effect, whatever is going. And I think you will just be down on value. You will have played a vanilla creature at sorcery speed as a four drop. I just don't think that's good enough today in magic. And unless I'm really wrong about how good the escape is, like the six mana escape, XL six cards from your from your graveyard, which is a big ask. You know, obviously, if you can do that a couple of times, this is unbeatable. I just don't see that happening in the average game of Magic too many times. So I just think this is like a, not a good card.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And then the, the fight ability on it is quite, I mean...
1: I mean, wouldn't you just prefer to play voracious hydra kill their thing right away or make a big thing right away if the board is clear for less mana
0: yeah and then voracious hydra also doesn't like lose its counters or whatever
1: yeah exactly
0: you did remind me though that this is a hydra and so it does get uh, a mana a mana discount from Gargos vicious vicious watcher oh hydra tribal i love it does the escape cost get a uh a get a discount from that? that um
1: i have not read the release notes for the set i don't know if they're out yet so i i don't know
0: i i think like i think escape counts as casting. it's an alternate ca- I,
1: th- I think it's an alternate cost so yeah i think gargos should still reduce it i believe mm. don't quote me on that
0: yeah well we'll see when it comes out we'll all be watching the release notes with bated breath to see if pelucron's uh, escape costs will be reduced by gargos's ability
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's my hot take for the set. Anyway, I know most people disagree with me on this. I think Palukrinos is like unplayable, basically.
0: Yeah, you've kind of convinced me a little bit. I probably wouldn't go as far as to say unplayable, just because it's just like a lot of raw stats for for the for the mana cost, and it does have that.
1: Wolf. That's how we get people to download the podcast. The episode name is Palukrinos is unplayable. I'm trying to get us hits here.
0: Okay, I thought, but I thought the episode name was uh... yeah,
1: exactly yoda is unplayable that's what i said all
0: right okay fair <laughs> all right what about wave break hippocamp
1: uh sounds too much like master of waves which is a card that has uh done a lot of damage to my mental state in the past so i refuse to acknowledge it exists
0: all right moving swiftly on
1: oh we can talk about it if you want
0: no you've made your feelings clear all right uh what about nylea keen-eyed i haven't talked about this one so this is the green god um it's three and a green for a Legendary Enchantment Creature God, it's a 5-6. It has all the normal God stuff, so Indestructible, less than 5. It's not a creature. Uh, and then the abilities are creature spells you cast cost 1 less to cast. That's pretty nice. And then a Green, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it into your graveyard.
1: Okay, one, there are several... Uh, things like this in this set that I'm bummed about, where they reference the mechanic Surveil, but refuse to call it Surveil. This is one of them. There's also a Black Uncommon from Today that Got Spoiled, uh, which is like a a removal spell that surveils one but refuses to call it surveil one i'm bummed about that because there are surveil cards still legal in standard that trigger when you surveil so i feel like it would have been a nice one to give arena players who like their demure spy bugs and their disinformation campaigns you know more toys to play with but that's whatever i know that's how it goes if, if the mechanic isn't supported you just you just don't call it the keyword but whatever i'm annoyed about that i don't know how you feel about that um But this one's reveal, sorry, so that's different. But okay, so I've just gone off on a total tangent here. But the other one, the kill spell from today is literally the surveil one. But anyway,
0: yeah. Sure. Well, I mean this is you know quite similar because when you put something in your into your graveyard you reveal it. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind but of... no, sorry,
1: this mechanic is actually different, but I just got reminded, sorry.
0: This this could be the the same, you know, they they could rewind yeah, this yeah. to be the same. But overall when things like that happen, like it happens a lot. There's a lot of, um, there's a few creatures in this set, I think that have heroic basically, but don't have heroic. I know heroic is different. It's a, it's like a reminder word or whatever. So it doesn't actually have, um, it doesn't have a rules meaning, but um, yeah, it, it's just kind of untidy. It's a little bit untidy when things like that happen. Um, and unfortunate for, as you say, cards that they would work with and then don't. But ultimately, I mean, I don't really care. It just helps each individual set to be more tidy, weirdly. That,
1: that is true, yeah. So, like, the only reason I'm annoyed in this case is because this was one of the first times this happened where the mechanic was still legal in standard from previous sets. So... Yeah. And and people, like, have cards that care about the mechanic. So I was just like, give them, you know, the arena players who have their Demir Spybug deck, give them a new card to play with. You know what I mean? But anyway, that's very minor. So,
0: yeah, it's like it's like when they go back and they um, they errata creature types onto onto cards, like when they errata loads of of dinosaurs. It's like, this is clearly a dinosaur. Let's make it an actual dinosaur. It's like, this is clearly Surveil. Let's make it actual Surveil, please.
1: Yeah, that's basically how I feel. But anyway, I totally misread Nylea, so never mind that. Well, uh, but but because, yeah, anyway, I feel like Nylea is pretty good, right? It's a 5-6 for 4, Devotion 5, so that's like pretty reasonable. Creature spells you cast cost one less to cast. But at the same time, I'm like, have you seen the card Nissa who shakes the world? That's a pretty good card. Mm. That makes your creatures cost a lot less than one less to cast. Um... Instead of revealing the top card of your library and getting creatures, you could just make your lands into creatures, and it's just generally busted. I feel like this will, like, Nyssa is just better than Nylea in, like, every way.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, E. When you you put it up against against Nyssa, it maybe doesn't quite measure up.
1: I mean, this is a 4-drop, Nyssa's a 5-drop. But Nyssa is just like miles better.
0: Well maybe maybe this goes in as like some kind of maybe it's maybe a sideboard card or uh like a top end of some kind of green aggressive deck where it allows you to reload after a wrath or something.
1: Maybe, but it's a lot of mana to invest, like three to look at the top and and like surveil or or draw the card if it's a creature, like Playing with uh what was it in, in M twenty? What was the Vivian's Grizzly or whatever that card was? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like four mana, and if it's a creature, you get to draw it. It's like that's a nice little bonus, but you can't rely on it very much, you know? It's a nice to have.
0: Looking looking deeper would make this card quite good, but because it's only the top card, yeah, maybe it's it's not good enough.
1: Yeah, like if this card was like look at the top two you may r- reveal a creature and then put them on the bottom. That would be probably closer to playable. Like, I still think Nissa would be better, to be honest.
0: Mm. You do get to put it in your graveyard if it's uh, if it's not a creature, which means that if you have anything, like any non-creatures with escape in your deck, they could go in there.
1: That's very, very narrow, though, I think.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I... And then, of course, the 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 creature creature spells you cast cost one less to cast is good, but this is a card where you know this is probably occupying somewhere near the top end of, or at least the, the middle to top of your curve. So you're probably not getting that much massive advantage from from that ability. Yeah,
1: pretty much. I think so. It's just like. I don't know, it's very underwhelming. Maybe it's okay that green gets an underwhelming mythic, though, for once.
0: Yes, (laughs) I think that's fair. All right, anything else you want to talk about here? Most of these other ones uh, are like the the showcase versions of cards that me and Al already talked about. Yep. So skipping on to maybe the next day of spoilers. Tassa. Oh, wait,
1: what one? Tassa? Okay,
0: cool. All right, Tassa is uh, three and a blue. Uh, God, all the God stuff. uh, And she's a 6-5. And then at the beginning of your end step, exile up to one other target creature you control. Then return that card to the battlefield under your control. And she has activated ability 3 in the blue. Tap another target creature.
1: Uh, It's cute. It's too expensive. It's a brawl card, I guess. It's a commander card. Yeah. That's that's it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what can you... Like, if you have some kind of um, bounce card... You have like um reflector mage, it's good.
1: Yeah, I just think in standard this, this effect is just is just not enough to pay so much mana for. And like it's a lot of devotion to get in blue. Like like five blue is very tough to get it in standard. I feel like it's the probably the hardest of all the colours and th- this just doesn't do enough. Like and 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 the ability is just very expensive. I feel like this is just basically a commander card or a brawl card. That might be it.
0: Yeah, I can certainly see that. Um, in terms of devotion, you do have like Gadwick, and you have the fairy only only provides one blue. Uh, you have Brazen Borrower that provides two blue, but you don't.
1: Narset. Narset for two blue is actually a thing.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but like, but this isn't
1: like a Narset card though
0: so exactly yeah and it's not really a gadwick or a brazen borrower card either so those cards just don't really work very well together um i guess the tap another target creature can work with those cards but it's very very expensive for that
1: yeah i'm i'm just not into this for standard i just don't see it
0: not into it um all right do you have one you want to talk about
1: yeah. First of all, bonus omen of the forge for worst magic art I've seen in the last fifteen years. Are you looking at this?
0: Yeah, it's not great.
1: It's literally, it's. Insa- I'm so sorry. This is like insulting to uh, Viatir Jura who did this art. I don't know what direction they got, but this is like. It looks like. Like a very badly spun pottery head bust of 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 a soldier or something. It looks like a Mr. Potato Head with like a hel- helmet on it. It's insane. It's just, it looks so bad. The fire on the neck, like what is happening? It's just like completely disconnected from the rest of the piece. What is this? That's the forge in the middle, I guess. It's like it's supposed to be a big metal forge. It just looks terrible. It looks like a like a a scene from like a 90s point-and-click Sierra game. It's so bad.
0: It does look like that. That's a great description.
1: It's terrible, though, isn't it? It literally is so bad. And it does look like that. I'm glad I came up with that.
0: Yeah. I think all all the Omens, I'm not really a fan of their art. They all have kind of a similar thing. They have one of the gods standing there with um, an outstretched hand, and their whatever element they control is in their hand. And yeah, I'm just not super into this particular one um, but yeah. also
1: what are the, probably what are, maybe the worst flavor text of the set as well my time will come when all the world will be reforged in the fires of my invention oh, oh, I see, what they... see what I'm saying see what I'm saying except for that fires of invention is from a completely different set on a different world so what the fuck does that mean why have you referenced that here it doesn't make any sense Wizards of the Coast
0: <laughs> i am of the firm belief that their um flavor text game has been really bad for a long time
1: yeah i mean but that's insanely bad like the fires f- of like ah! yeah I-, I
0: i saw people like complimenting that in in the spoiler thread for this i was just like
1: it's so terrible seriously it's so bad
0: that's good that's not good
1: okay so you gave me that. Sorry, no, wait, I was going to say you gave me that one, so I was going to give you one. I'm just going to choose another one. Uh, I'm going to choose the card uh, True Name Nemesis. <laughs> it, it costs uh, red, red, white, white. Uh, it has a joke name at the top called Hactos the Unscarred, but really we know it's the card True Name Nemesis. <laughs> it's, a, it's a legendary creature, human warrior. That must be a misprint because it should be like a merfolk wizard, I think. And it's a six-one, which is weird because usually it's on on this card, it's usually a three-one. And it says uh true name nemesis attacks each combat if able. So that's a functional errata, because true name nemesis didn't actually used to have that text. And then it says another another functional errata. As true name nemesis enters the battlefield, choose two, three, or four at random. So this kind of feels like an un card at this point. It's like very weird. True Name Nemesis has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. What the fuck is this card? What is this?
0: <laughs> Why did they make this? Why? What is this? It's a top-down Achilles card. It's cool.
1: I know. I know what it is. So yeah, Hactos the Unscarred. He has one weak point, which is a mana cost of two, three, or four, and you can only kill him using those mana costs. But otherwise, he's a 6-1 with protection from everything.
0: Wait, like uh, Cry of the Carnarium will will it kill him no matter what, right?
1: Yes, or like... because uh, protection doesn't care about rats or minus, okay. minus mass effects. So protect, you can always remember by the acronym DEAT. uh D, damage. E, enchanting or equipping. Uh, B, blocking or being blocked by. And T, targeting. Okay. So those are the things that protection prevents, which are all incredibly annoying things to have to deal with in a game of magic. So I don't know why they made this card because it's just going to annoy the shit out of everybody who ever drafts this set.
0: It is. It is a rare, so you're not going to see it that often, and like the color, it's very color intensive. Which could... it is
1: very color intensive. That is that is a saving grace, to be honest. Yeah.
0: That actually could be an upside because it provides a lot of devotion as well.
1: Yep. Very true. But if this is playable in standard, it's going to be a nightmare because it's just so annoying. It's so unfun. Just getting hit for six a turn. You can't do anything about it is just horrible. I don't like it.
0: It's also kind of annoying that you probably would like to put equipment or enchantment on this guy, but then you just can't unless it's exactly the, the mana costs.
1: Yeah. Would... So yeah, to be clear, it says choose two, three or four at random. Uh, and, that is the one number it doesn't have protection from. That also includes the numbers outs, you know, outside of the two, three, four set. So zero, one, and anything above four, it has protection from. So you can't kill this with like a five mana planeswalkers minus. It doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> this card is just like incredibly obnoxious. I I don't know if it's good, and I don't care if it's good. I just think it's obnoxious, and people are going to have a bad time playing against it in general. And I don't know why they designed it, basically. Even though, yeah, it's a fun reference to Hercules and stuff. Or Yeah, it's just, it's not going to be fun to play against in Games of Magic, I think.
0: Yeah, like, if this was, it looks like um, it came from the, the custom MTG subreddit.
1: Literally, it does. Yeah, literally. And people would be like, lol, it's just, it has protection from everything. Five mana plus, good joke. But that's the card. <laughs> and again, I don't know if it's good. I think it's probably not very good. But in limited, this is just going to cause bad feelings. And I'm like, why put this in the set?
0: Yeah, it's a weird one. I think it's cool, though. I think it's worth it for the design.
1: Mm, remains to be seen.
0: All right, here. Here's, here's one that I think is awesome, flavor-wise. I don't know if it's any good in games of magic but it could be also um so it's the first iroan games so it's also a saga and it has four chapters um so sagas in in theros beyond death can have four chapters which is the first time that has happened i believe and uh, cool. so it's an enchantment saga it's two and a green it's rare uh, so first chapter you create a 1-1 white human soldier token so not very good for three mana uh, second chapter, put three plus one plus one counters on target creature you control. So you can make that human into a 4-4 four four, or put it on something else. Uh, chapter three, if you control a creature with power four or greater, draw two cards. That's quite good. And then chapter four is create a gold token. So not even treasure tokens, which they, they have switched to because they they tap. Uh, they created a gold token. They went for full flavor win here. Um
1: it's very funny because it, it doesn't even have reminder text saying what a gold token is, yeah. even though it's the first time that's been used in like a long time. It's which a fir- I kind of respect.
0: It's the first time since original Taros, I think.
1: Yeah, I love that uh, that they can't use surveil, but they'll use gold token. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like on its own, this card does actually generate a lot of value. However, if if you don't have another creature and the one one gets killed, it basically does nothing then, which is a huge downside.
1: Yeah, and they have two turns to kill the 1-1 before they care about it, basically.
0: Yeah, and you can also bounce the 1-1 with, uh, like, Brazen Borrower.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this card is, like, extremely cool flavor-wise, and I'm really glad, actually, they they dedicated a card to the Olympic Games, because I, I just think it's awesome. You guys gotta look at this card, honestly. The art by Noah Bradley is, like, perfect. I think it's it's just awesome, but I don't think it's playable, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, super sweet.
0: All right. What about a couple of interventions? It's time for an intervention. Uh, oh, no. You've played too much magic. <laughs>
1: but I but I love the modern format. Don't <laughs> <You'll laughs> make me stop playing it. You
0: definitely need that intervention. Anyway, um, right. So this is a cycle. So there's one for each god, as far as I know. Um, and they're all like uh, they're all sorceries. Oh no, some of the, well, some of them are instants. So instant are sorcery. Um, but then they they have they have uh, X in the mana cost and they are choose one. Um, so Nylea's intervention I didn't talk about because I don't like it. Uh, so yep. going to talk about, about Erebos' intervention, which I think is very good. So it's X and a black for an instant. Choose one target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, and you gain X life or exile up to twice X target cards from graveyards. So the first one is like, that reminds me of battle at the bridge from Ether revolt. I want to say, which was played a little bit. That one did also have um, improvise. Yeah. Improvise. So that is a little bit different. Um, but uh, then the second mode on this one is obviously very relevant in a set that has escape as a mechanic.
1: Yeah, I think this card does like a very good job at just being in a place where I don't know if it's a sideboard card or a main deck card. Like, it's obviously not powerful enough to be a normal main deck card from the just minus X, minus X side. But if there are enough things in standard that care about the graveyard now, yeah, maybe this is just what you want in your main deck. And even if it's not... It's like a house against, like, aggressive graveyard strategies. So I think this this card is, like, super, super good.
0: Yeah, like, the, the rate on the removal spell part is not great. But you'll take it, certainly, against any weenie decks. Um, you're gaining life and you're killing the creature, so that's quite good. And then, yeah, I think, I think this does make it into main decks just because of the utility that it provides.
1: Imagine if we had this when, like, Scrounger was legal and standard. He would be like, yes.
0: Oh, man. That would be so good.
1: When you could, like, kill their toolcraft exemplar or exile their Scrounger. Like, damn.
0: Yeah, that would be so awesome. Um, all right. Perforos's intervention. X and a red. This one is a sorcery. It says, choose one, create an X1 red elemental creature token with Trample and Haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Or Perforosa's Intervention deals twice x damage to target creature or planeswalker. So if you cast it for x equals one with the removal spell, you're getting a two mana shock. If you cast it for x equals two, you're getting you're getting three three mana for four damage, which is quite good. And then anything above that, it's like exponentially good. Um, and then the x one red elemental thing is like. I mean, if you're some kind of controlling deck, you're probably never using that mode. If you are like a mid range deck, I can see this card at its best because you can use both halves.
1: Yeah, so I think this is okay in terms of this is like an interesting mono red card in that um it like mono red I think has probably had a hard time of like dealing with like multiple planeswalker decks when they get on the board. So this is kind of a nice sideboard card to be able to like just kill a planeswalker you know one for one in which case you're probably already behind a card so that's not a big deal for mono red to be able to do that and then also there's just going to be randomly turns where you board this in and shields are down and you're able to just like kill them with it with the first mode so i think this is an attempt to like give mono red more of a chance against like planeswalker decks because they know they've been like pushing those over the last year. And I think it's probably does a good job at doing that. Although I would like to see the same for white, which I don't think we see in this set.
0: Well, we, yeah, kind of see it with banishing Light, but sure. Yeah. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And then like randomly, if you're in some kind of top deck war and then you, you, pull this then you know you're you get to attack with a a big big dude spend all your mana or whatever um yeah it seems fine to me that like the scaling damage means that uh mono red decks that usually can't get a big blocker out of the way would would be able to do that now so that's quite good i guess
1: yeah like it's also it's also still not very good in just like 20 land aggro decks because the the first mode, your X one Elemental is just never going to be very big in the twenty land deck, you know. Yeah, like you're never going to have more than like five lands in play. So
0: yeah, like making a four one haste is is not that great, and that's probably your your max that you can expect. Yeah, it's also not very good with like experimental frenzy, right? Because you probably want to play more things after.
1: Yeah, true. Mm. All
0: right, well, let's skip all the crap that's uh, just above that, and let's go to some of the insane cards that were spoiled today.
1: All right. Are we just gonna start straight off with the uh, Mister Blue Green, uh, Mister Oco color? Yeah, we can, no, we can start with the
0: uh, we we can start with the blue green guy, or we can start could start with the uh the the what the hell is it prismatic omen on legs?
1: God, there's so many good cards. It's insane. <laughs> we'll do
0: the we'll do the blue green guy. You, you can read them there.
1: So here we have Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath. Costs a 1, a blue, and a green. For a 6-6, six, six, pretty decent for 3 mana. Uh, it's a legend- legendary creature, Elder Giant. When Uro enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. When Uro enters the battlefield or attacks, you gain 3 life and draw a card. Then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And then it has an escape cost of blue-blue-green-green. Green. So this is a 3-mana 6-6 six, six that you can only cast from the graveyard if you want it to stick around. You basically have to cast it for its escape cost of 4-mana, but you can cast it for 3 to growth spiral plus gain 3 life. It's a super weird card. I kind of think it's a little bit busted. I think it's very strong. Um, get to draw a card you get to gain life you get to put a land into play and then it's just going to be in be in the graveyard for whenever you want to bring it back later so what do you think wolf
0: yeah so i think this card is insane um someone someone said in a, in a reddit thread that they had uh they were seriously triggered by the the mana cost of one green blue which i absolutely agree with um and yeah this card just seems really really good so like the 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 three mana cast effect where you gain three life like that's going to help you obviously survive uh and drawing a card helps you keep the the land flowing the escape cost is obviously quite mana intensive you also have to exile five cards from your graveyard that's kind that's kind of the standard for escape um so far so that's like not not ridiculously out of uh out of the question like by turn four um you probably have to work a little bit for it though because if you're casting this on turn three that's obviously not adding anything to the graveyard, um, except for itself, of course. Um, flavor is on point, right? These these are the titans trapped in the Teros underworld, and uh, they try to get out, but they can't unless they actually do their escape thing. Um,
1: yeah, I don't really understand what that means, but <laughs> like, it makes sense in terms of they have to escape, but I'm like, well, they got here, so didn't they escape? No, they didn't sacrifice them.
0: They escaped, but then they got pulled back in,
1: yep sure
0: yeah something like that um, yeah so it's it's an elder giant so we're seeing the return of the elder uh creature type as well and um, last time we saw that was on the dinosaurs i want to say um, yep. it's also a giant so it doesn't get killed by the wrath that doesn't kill giants that i can't remember the name of the one that's
1: the the, the creature side is called realm cloth cloaked giant i can't remember what the adventure side is called yeah the... it's called big clap on arena exactly yeah. <laughs> it always scares the shit out of me <laughs> yeah
0: the arena animation is the main thing that sticks out in my mind um, yeah so this one just seems insane right because it just keeps you uh, keeps the resources rolling for you in order for you to like get into future turns and set this actually up on the board um, the ability yeah,
1: and and you just don't care when after you cast the front side that you get to escape it it's just good
0: value yeah i mean as you said about growth spiral it basically is growth spiral but just for one more mana plus you gain three life so
1: and it's a sorcery as
0: well and it's a sorcery sure yeah good that that is a a key part of growth spiral is uh is being an instant so it's maybe not quite as good like it's it's also comparable to risen reef right you're not going to get repeated triggers off it like you do a risen reef well actually you will but uh not in exactly the same yeah. way as risen reef um Like,
1: I was thinking, does this make, like, Yarok better in standard? Uh,
0: But you have to sacrifice it twice, then.
1: True, true. That's terrible. That's terrible. Uh,
0: Yeah, maybe. Same colours as Yarok, so I could see it, yeah.
1: Yeah, with Risen Reef as well, like, it's it's kind of, like, redundancy, and then you still have, like, big payoffs once you get to high mana, which both those cards let you do. Seems, like, pretty strong to me.
0: Yeah. I just kind of can't get over these cards they're just insane you just look at look at the numbers and you're like wait a minute hold on
1: yeah also we haven't talked about this fact but it is a three mana six six even if you have to sacrifice it there's gotta be some busted maybe janky way to like not sacrifice it and just end up with a three mana six six that does this stuff i don't know how but i feel like it's gonna happen
0: yeah so one thing that al pointed out which is relevant for standard uh is that in like cat oven decks, and we'll see this also with the uh, the next titan, the the black red one. You can w- with the trigger on the stack, you can sacrifice them, uh, and you still get their trigger, and and then you get the witch's oven ability, and you'll get you'll make two food from it because it's six six.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. De- that's pretty neat. De-
0: yeah, this t- <laughs> I just don't understand how they're printing these cards. It's nuts.
1: Man, I don't know. As I said on Facebook and the RS Magic chat, I was like, they're just committed to printing the dumbest things possible (laughs) at the moment in Magic the Gathering, and they can't be stopped.
0: I mean, it's exciting. I'm excited.
1: It is. It's exciting, but I'm also like, is this just another year where we just have to ban every rare from every set (laughs) for the year?
0: Yes. Um... Is it about my cube? We'll look at the other Titan in a moment, but first let's look at this um this card which is named Idolon on uh, on Skyfall, which is pretty good.
1: That's pretty good, yeah.
0: It's an enchantment creature nymph. It's a two four. You may play an additional land each turn, and uh, lands you control are all basic land types in addition to their other types. Like
1: Yeah, so it's like I don't know what the exact card is. It's like Prismatic Omen plus Oracle of Moldiah, but only for but you don't get to look at the top card of your library, and it's a 2-4, so it's like Courser or Crufix, but it's not for three mana. <laughs> yeah. It's like an amalgamation of all those cards, basically. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's in a similar space to, to all those cards. Um, it doesn't provide any actual card advantage, but you do get to do some extra ramp with it uh, if you have the extra lands in your hand. So if you build your deck with lots of extra lands, you should be able to take advantage of it. The fact that it makes the lands you control the, all the basic land types is very interesting because we have things like for example Nyssa in Standard which obviously then doubles your mana production because all your lands are forests. Um we have dread presence. So that...
1: Oh yeah, that's insane. I... Holy shit.
0: Um it also helps you cast Niv-Mizzet Reborn. Yeah. Maybe the next you can... after you cast this guy
1: you can pretend that all your lands aren't plains cuz those are pretty useless.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, this card does a lot. I think it's and I think it provides some turn 3 kills in like Valakot decks in uh, in modern as well, right? Uh,
1: yeah, I think well, yeah, it, it probably does actually.
0: So it's like arboreal grazer on turn 1 and then oh yeah, your land.
1: Then you're on 2, then on turn 2 you can Whatever, far seeker, or whatever, and play a land.
0: On turn two, you play four.
1: this. oh, on turn two, you play this. Play a land. Yeah. So you're four. Then turn three. Yeah, you play any ramp spell plus a valakut. No, wait. You need four mana to escape shift. So yeah, you just escape shift, and this is in play.
0: Well, you you play you play two lands so that you have six in play, and then you escape shift and you get four valakuts and 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 two of anything, two any lands.
1: Oh yeah, and that's uh, four times six. Yeah, twenty-four.
0: So yeah. because because he himself, or is it because he makes the Valakut's mountains. See so if yep. Valakut's see each seeing each seeing six mountains. So yeah, twenty-four damage.
1: Even even without the combo aspect, uh, like I I've played a bunch of Valakut in modern, and like Prismatic Omen always made Valakut into a much grindier deck because it meant that like every land drop you made like, from the mid-game was just a bolt, and that was kind of how you played it a lot of the time, um, and this will do the same thing. Like, even if you don't get a super-fast combo, you'll just be, like, bolting people out much earlier with the Valakuts, and it's much easier to, like, control the board. So, yeah, I could definitely see that being a thing.
0: Yeah, it's also fetchable with someone who's for, like,
1: yeah, which is pretty sick. Like, in Amulet Titan, you already have Azusa, and I don't think this is going to see play in Amulet Titan, but I think it will in Red-Green Volokut. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I mean,
0: look, people are going to try it in all those decks, right, to start with, and then we'll see which ones it, it, it belongs in.
1: Yeah, like, there could be, like, a Red-Green Volokut deck now just with Bounce Lands, just because Prismatic Omen plus play in other seems, like, pretty insane with Bounce Lands, too. Like, your bounce lands are mountains.
0: Yeah, that does seem very good.
1: So you just play, it like, four explores, this. I don't know. Yeah, it seems, like, seems very cool. I think for standard, it's, like, very good as well. Like, in standard, just being a three mana two four is, like, super important. So there's that.
0: Yeah, decent stats. Um, you look at something like like Wayward Tooth was, like, a similar thing. Well, I had the playing additional land each turn Um, thing, and it was just a good blocker. Uh, yeah. And that's all like a little bit of play from here, you know, here and there in certain types of decks. But Mm this one, the fact that it fixes your mana and it's only two and a green itself. So, like, it's not difficult to cast. So, like, I think this could potentially see a lot more play in standard than that type, uh, that card did.
1: Yep. I'm with you on that one for sure.
0: All right. And then the last card we'll look at for today will be the uh, black red titan. Let me see if I can find it. It's not here on the.
1: Oh, you mean the 2-mana uh, 6-6? Six, six? Yes. Oh, cool. Well, that's <laughs> that's all we did to say, I think. 2-mana 6-6. Six, six.
0: Yes, it is a 2-mana 6 You thought 3-mana 6-6 six, six was good. Well... I, I,
1: yeah. Oh, boy.
0: Um, all right, so it's Croxa, Titan of Death's Hunger. So it's black-red, legendary creature, Elder Giant. It's a 6-6. Six, six. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. So same clause as the other one. Uh, whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card then each opponent who didn't discard a non-land card this way loses three life. And then it also has escape for black, black, red, red, exile 5 other cards from your graveyard. So straight off, this one doesn't seem quite as good as the other one, except obviously you can, in black, red, you might be able to use it in more sacrifice-type decks so that you can sacrifice it with its trigger on the stack. Priest of Forgotten Gods yeah. also um, can, can do that. Um, actually, Priest of Forgotten Gods seems really good with this because then... Priest of Forgotten Gods makes two black mana, right? And then it also puts cards in your graveyard. So you might be able to escape early with this. Yeah,
1: that's pretty decent, right? Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, the, the trigger when it, when it dies is not quite as good as the other one, because you're not really getting that guaranteed value. Like, I guess, first of all, the opponent could have nothing in their hand and I guess they lose three life then, but it's not the best. It's a bolt, I guess, or a lightning strike. Um, if you get them to discard a card then yeah that is that is quite good.
1: Yeah this it this is just like a weird one I don't know like on curve on turn 2 it's like not very good like just paying 2 mana to make your opponent discard a card even if they lose 3 life is like not good at all. So but then you get to put it in your graveyard for later so you're kind of setting yourself up which is good. It's a it's a strange card this one. Like the blue green one like uro get you an advantage. You get to draw a card, you get to play a land. This one, just making your opponent discard, is like not a good mana trade for you on the front side.
0: Yeah. If they discard a land, then you get the discard and the three life, and they lose three life. That's somewhat good. It's like still
1: whatever though, because that means that they have enough lands, and you know they're willing to keep their spells, and they're going to develop their game plan. Like... This is always just a very bad trade for you. Like, two mana and a card versus zero mana and a card is, like, pretty rough.
0: Yeah, not to mention the fact that they could also just discard, like, a card that has escape or whatever. Or you're just fueling their escape for later on.
1: Yeah, that's very bad. <laughs> so, I think this one is, like, much worse than the blue-green one.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I, I do think it's... it's. um like, if, if you cast the escape cost, it's better because then you have a 6-6 on board and you're going to get this effect when it attacks as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah, definitely. In a yeah. black-red deck, you are more likely to have like some kind of presence or be pressuring them, uh, if that's the case. So it's probably a better creature on the board there than maybe the green one, even though like they're the same stats or whatever. Uh, but
1: if like if we're imagining these decks playing against each other, it's like, well, I I got to gain three and draw a card, whereas you traded a card with me. Maybe I lost three life and you're down two mana. You know, it's like that doesn't sound great. Obviously, we're not just going to be playing these team decks against each other, but
0: no, that's it. That's yeah, the, that's all we're going to do. We're just going to play Croxa against Uro all day long.
1: That sounds pretty fun to be honest. Also, these cards seem sick for Brawl and Commander.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Very awesome. Like I love this idea of a commander you can just cast and just like put it in your graveyard and you want it in your graveyard, like, straight away. Like that seems pretty badass to me.
0: Yeah, that is sweet. And also we talked earlier off, Mike, about how if you can stop enter the battlefield effects, then you can just play these very early as just big dudes and they still get their their attack um their attack triggers. So in Pioneer you have tukatli honor guard and in standard you have hushbringer obviously you're talking about three color decks there but you know whatever
1: yeah definitely that's
0: cool all right well i think that will do it for all the preview cards today jesus we've talked talked about a lot of them um so maybe do you want to talk a little bit about modern your experience in modern over the last few weeks
1: yeah, so for those who don't know, I'll try not to be too depressed about this, but yeah. spoiler, it didn't it didn't turn out well. Uh, I well, I talked about it on the podcast before. I qualified for the modern championships uh, about two and a half months ago, something like that. Uh, I won one of the modern playoffs on Magic Online, which was like a three hundred person tournament. Uh, I believe in that tournament. I was playing Green Tron, and and I took down the whole thing um this was everyone in top eight uh got basically it was there were supposed to be four playoffs and everyone who made top eight in the four playoffs uh was the 32 players of the championship the way it turned out was uh if people remember people got pissed off because they couldn't enter one of the playoffs because of moto bugs and them reaching capacity so they actually added a fifth playoff um which meant that there were 40 players instead of 32 in the tournament I played, which was pretty awkward for people because I went in thinking it was 32 and like thinking, okay, here's the record I need. It's very clean to top eight. And then it was like, I there were 39 people on the day. And I was like, oh shit, what does this mean? Turns out not much. Basically just try win your rounds and you'll top eight is, is how it turns out for most Magic tournaments. But um. So I won that with Tron, and then since then I've been playing a lot of Magic, a lot of Modern online on Moto, and it's been tough. Like The format is, is in a pretty rough place right now, and it has been for a couple of months, uh, mainly due to Urza and Oko. So I, I think I won my tournament before Oko was even legal, possibly, or maybe Eldraine had just come out, so people didn't realize how good Oko was. Uh, but I played Tron, so that shows how far how how long ago it was, because you you can't play Tron now and win basically. Um, so, but but over the last month, the format has basically just narrowed into Oko decks urza decks which are usually also oko decks and then primeval titan decks which are also often oko decks so i tried basically all the all the little variations of both of those um i didn't feel like i was doing very well with either of them like i'm playing leagues normally normally when i play like modern leagues on moto i can go like three two consistently the occasional four one i'm not like getting trophies, dominating, but I, I usually feel like pretty good about my play. But I was playing these like Oko decks and these Urza decks, these primetime decks. I just, I was going like two, three against the field like the whole time. Um, so this is in like the last two weeks, basically. Uh, before that, I spent a week exclusively playing Infect because I'd never played it before. And it, basically I looked at it like this. I was like, Oko is the best deck in the, in the format. Infect also gets to play four once upon a time, which I think is one of the most broken cards they've ever printed. So if Infect is the deck that gets to play four once upon a time, plus four Oko, that's what I'm going to learn. And that worked pretty well. I like did well in leagues. And when it came to it on the day of the tournament, it was like an hour before I had to lock in my deck. And I just went, I don't like these prime primetime decks. I'm not good enough with these Oko decks. I'm just going to register Infect, which now I feel like I know how to play pretty well.
0: All right. And then how did that turn out for you?
1: <sighs> really badly. I went zero three. Um, So one deck I didn't talk about is Eldrazi which has been a very popular deck over the last couple of months. It's also a deck I top-aided a Moto PTQ with. Uh, after I qualified for this tournament. Uh, so I knew it was strong. I knew how to play that deck, but I didn't believe in Drasitron really because I felt like people are just going to bring ceremonious rejections in their Urza decks and it's not fast enough. I just didn't believe in it. So I was like, I'm not going to play Eldrazi Tron. I kind of discounted it. And then I played Infect. And for my first two rounds of the tournament, I played against Eldrazi Tron. And uh, I think four out of the five games I played in my first two rounds, uh, my opponents had Chalice of the Void on turn two, which is pretty tough to beat as Infect. So I just got decimated and yeah, it was like round one. I just got destroyed. Uh, Like, yeah, game one, they just had chalice on chalice on one on turn two and they killed my one drop. And I was like, I played it out just to make it seem like I had outs, but I didn't. (laughs) And that game two, um, I got stuff on board, uh, but they were all one drops. And then they got Tron and just played a blast zone uh, on one and just destroyed my whole board. And basically, just put me down to like two permanents on turn five against Tron, uh, and that was it. So I just got absolutely smacked, and I was like, "Man, this is bad. This is bad." Um, so then next next round, same thing happened, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, Charles of the void is so good." Uh, and I, I'm playing this one drop dominant deck. I just got I just got smashed, um, and then I was still under the impression that I could possibly top eight. Basically, if both of my opponents from the first two rounds went undefeated and I went undefeated from there on, I was like, it's still possible, so I'll play it. And I played against Devoted Druid Combo, which is a very bad matchup for Infect, because they just have, like, Path to Exiles, and they don't really care about what you're doing, and then they just, like, assemble their combo (laughs) and kill you. Uh, So I didn't play against Primetime or Tron greentron or urza once in the tournament which is why i chose in fact so it just goes to show what I what i came out of it thinking is basically like modern is so big and even when you are in this like super prestigious 32 person tournament where everyone that entered has top aided like a huge moto event don't assume that everyone is going to play the the best deck that you've been researching for the last couple of days and staying up and you think you've solved the format so you you are going to next level. It's like, no, the person who qualified six months ago with uh, fucking Storm is going to play Storm. The person who qualified nine months ago with Devoted Druid is going to play Devoted Druid. And I totally missed on that and I totally thought everybody would just be on the same level as I was and just play Urza. And I was totally wrong. So that's basically what I came out of it thinking is basically, and I've, I've tried to learn this lesson so many times over the course of my life and I've failed, but it's basically like, stop trying to outsmart yourself. Just, just go with the actual best option. Stop trying to next level everyone.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's really unfortunate. Um, who are these people coming out of the woodwork without Draziotron? Um, like I just can't. I I, I don't see Eldrazi Tron just being like a good choice in that in that meta game.
1: If you go on MTG Goldfish right now and go to the modern section, Eldrazi Tron is the most popular deck. So
0: I guess it's kind of like this is gonna sound insulting, but it's not. It's like the most brainless deck. It's like
1: it is. Yeah, it is. Um. You know. you know, and I top edited a PTQ with it. I know it's a good deck. Like, <laughs> why did I not consider Aldrazitron? You know, I just I just like I got sucked into the Discord kind of mindset and the Twitter results mindset of like Urza and Primetime are the only decks. And then I was like, okay, I have to find a deck that, that does okay versus those decks. And I ended up on Infect, and I was like, okay, this deck is still busted. It has Oko, it has Once Upon a Time. Which I still think is true. I still think the deck is good. But honestly, if I just showed up and just played like a stock Urza deck, I probably would would have done like much, much better. And the reason I didn't is I, I thought if I have to play an Urza mirror against someone who's better than me, I'm going to lose. And people always say, don't do this. Like, don't, don't uh, play a deck. You, don't not play a deck because you think you think you're not skillful enough or whatever. But I do think it's a thing, especially in like a 32-person tournament where you know everyone's good. I didn't want to play a bunch of mirrors where I wasn't the more skillful person in the mirror. I would. I preferred to play a deck like Infect where I can just kill them on turn two sometimes and they can't do anything about it. I thought that was like legitimate. And I still do, but it just turned out to be like either I got unlucky or I was totally wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean... I mean, to me, it sounds like you went through like several steps of of your reasoning on that and that you came to a good and honest conclusion. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it was wrong of you to take that away from what you had assessed the metagame to be from playing Modern a lot over the last few weeks or a month or whatever. So I think that you can probably feel good about your decision making there. And I think, in fact, you know, it can be just a really strong deck where you kill on turn three, turn four a lot of the time. And there's not a lot that many decks can do to stop you, so I think that's a fair choice. But then, as to whether you got unlucky or you ultimately read the meta game wrong, uh, that I guess that comes down to like, did they publish the deck list for this?
1: So uh, sauce, who is an absolute beast, MTG grinder. Uh, shows up in every single decklist dump uh, and was in the tournament. He uh, stalked everyone basically and he he posted everyone's uh, everyone's uh, archetype. And I looked at it. I was one of three infect players out of the 32, so I wasn't the only one. Um, Urza was the most popular. Primetime was the next most popular. you know it, the, like it did fall like broadly the way people thought it would fall. But out of 32 players, maybe I was expecting too much out of playing Infect. You know what I mean? Because you run into a matchup like Aldrazi and you're just done, basically, you know. And yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, like, And the thing is, I played the Urza decks for like, like I wasn't talking to you guys about it much, but like uh, New Year's uh, into the first week of January before I went back to work, I was playing Urza decks all day, every day on Moto. For like five, six days, and I just wasn't winning. I like, I literally like three, two is the best I went in a league. I didn't even get a single four-one. So I was just like, my confidence was just like, I don't know how to play this deck. I'm not going to play this deck in like this high level tournament. I know how to play Infect. I know how to play whatever other deck. So at that point, I basically just like was like, I'm not playing Urza, you know. But hmm. the other thing is, before I top eight at the PTQ with Aldrazitron. I didn't have very good results with Eltrasitron either, but I felt like it was a good deck. And that's why I played it in the PGQ and I top it. Like whereas I'd gone basically two, three in most of my leagues before that, I still felt like it was strong. So I don't know if it was something about this tournament where I doubted myself or something. I don't know. It's it it was so weird for me because this is like the closest I've ever been to the Pro Tour and obviously the mocks like if I'd won I I I I was in the mocks not just a pro tour but like guaranteed like big money in 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 the mocks so yeah I I thought about it a lot I practiced a lot I was super nervous before the tournament like it's bigger than an Orbtq uh and I don't know I, I, I didn't get there you know I whatever whatever happened I uh, it didn't work out for me so it's a bummer but onto the next one you know win the next one that's all you can do
0: yeah um yeah it does maybe seem like your your nervousness maybe backed you into a choice that you may not have made in other circumstances like if it was like a low local wpnq qualifier you might just go yeah i'm just gonna play the best deck of course Uh, yeah
1: definitely if it had been just like yeah, local tournament And someone had just been like, yeah, I can give you the Urza deck and paper. Yeah, I would have been like, yeah, I know how to play that. I'll I'll just show up and play that. The fact that I had just been losing on Magic Online to good players, yeah, definitely influenced my decision. The thing is, Magic Online players are so fucking good. That's what people don't realize as well. Like, it's hard to go 3-2 in a modern league. The players are honestly so good.
0: Yeah, like, if you want to play against some really good opposition just join join a league on magic online and if you just keep playing enough leagues you're going to run into the same people again and again and they are all really really good or many of them are really really good when you start to honestly
1: yeah it's it's harder than like mythic on arena honestly it is
0: definitely. definitely yeah i i completely agree with that but yeah i mean look don't let it knock your confidence too much Uh, no
1: i i absolutely haven't listen i've 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 been to big tournaments before i've qualified for stuff i've like played for like pride of place in terms of like street fighter championships um against the best players in the world like i'm at the point now where it doesn't really bother me i'll I'll just go to the tournament and play it afterwards i'm always going to be like did i did i do the right thing did i make mistakes and I feel like that's part of improving as a player but I think what's important is I don't I don't let it drag on me like it's always about like letting like what's the next thing how, how can I make myself better for the next tournament and I feel like that's that's what other people should do as well like um obviously this this whole episode is just a sob story for me but you know if if you lost at the last tournament don't dwell on it just like take what you can from it and move on to the next one you know that's that's all you can do
0: yeah like your your you know tournaments that you've played in the past literally have no bearing on tournaments in the future unless you let them
1: well like literally they will make you better at the tournaments you play in the future yeah Yeah. like like that they should or you're doing something wrong basically Yeah. yeah Uh, but yeah, that's how I feel. So I'm super looking forward to Brussels. Um, I'm, I'm very glad to not have to play modern for a while because even though Pioneer is my favorite format at the moment, I basically thought over the last month I couldn't play it because I had to test for this for this fucking modern tournament, and I was just playing modern and I was literally losing my mind. It's it's no secret that I'm I'm not a huge fan of modern, uh, so. I'll try it again once they ban some of this nonsense. But at the moment, yeah, I'm I'm not playing a modern game again uh, for a while. So roll on Pioneer. <laughs>
0: hey, yeah, I mean, I my plan is to just never play modern again, to be honest. So,
1: oh my God, it's such it's ridiculous, dude. But yeah, I'll
0: just I'll just skip that players tour season. Hey, uh, so we're nearly at the end of the show here, but we have a Pioneer ban and restricted announcement.
1: Oh, I saw.
0: Yes. So uh, this is the last one. They're moving on to the regular ban cadence. Uh, after-
1: I will ever be banned again.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the regular ban cadence is going to be whenever we feel like it. Everything is an emergency ban. Uh, so starting. So Ian Duke says, well, hold on. I should probably say no changes to the ban list in Pioneer. Yeah. So the, not exactly a surprise here. Um, and yeah, Ian Duke says, this is our last standalone Pioneer banning announcement. Starting next week, any changes to Pioneer will be part of our normal BNR announcement with all other formats and will not take place every week. Thank you to everyone who's been playing the format and helping to shape it into what it is today. And we're excited to see where the format goes from here. So, yeah, I think uh, Pioneer is in a reasonable place at the moment, even though I feel like the the, the, the deck selections have like narrowed a lot uh, since, obviously, the format's inception, but even even since the last round of bannings it, it does seem like there's not that many decks that you can choose from to do well um but yeah now i've been pretty busy since i got home like job hunt christmas all that stuff and i'm going to still be pretty busy cuz i'm you know moving next week and stuff like that um but i'm excited to jump into pioneer with uh, a bit more dedication and and see what we can what we can learn and what we can break for uh, for brussels
1: Honestly, the format is so good at the moment. Anyone who hasn't played it, I really recommend you check it out. It's it's so much fun. It's, like, it's still the Wild West, except for with the absolute bullshit band that you probably didn't want to play against in the first place. Um, there's maybe a little more of that, but you can go into this format, just play an interactive deck, put four Thoughtseize in your deck, or put four Wild Slash in your deck, or whatever... And there is no bullshit deck that will be you. You could just have good games of Magic. So, yeah, I recommend it.
0: All right. And with that, we will wrap up the podcast. Uh, before we go, I will mention, again, our uh, affiliate program with InkedGaming.com. So you can click the link in the show notes or just go to InkedGaming.com forward slash Skullcrack and you will be able to get 10% off your entire order there of custom playmats with kiran's face. You can even put... Uh, oh, yeah chalice of the void on there and then a picture of kieran crying that would work
1: yeah if you want i don't know
0: <laughs> that would be sad uh well i mean you have made other people cry with chalice of the void enough times that
1: uh oh that's true i uh, all the stories i could tell all the stories
0: yeah yeah uh but you yeah you can get 10 percent off your your entire order there uh of a playmat or other gaming accessories and uh, you can also email us, so you can email us at Skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com if you want to let us know about what you think about the Tarot spoilers, or you can tweet at us as well, that's a good place for hot takes, we are at uh, twitter.com forward slash Skullcrack, um, and you can tune into to Kieron stream, so Kieran stream's over on the Schoolcrack Twitch channel, and uh, you can hang out there, you can follow, you can subscribe, and it's going to be a lot of Pioneer content coming up, right?
1: I think literally Pioneer, I'm, I'm going to try and stream like, if not every day of the week, then like five or six days of the week. People love it, dude. I streamed yesterday. I started like Sunday morning at 9am. I had 50 viewers within like half an hour and most of them like stuck around for like the four hours I streamed. So yeah, people love Pioneer. Uh, that's that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh yeah, hopefully I can have you guys on either to like go through plays, or or you guys can also stream on the channel. You know, if you can set that up, Wolf. I don't know what what your setup is going to be like, but uh, it's going to be a very active Twitch channel for the, for sure.
0: Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I would love to be involved again. I think uh, I'm moving next week, so once I'm moved and settled in uh, in my new place, I will be hopefully able to set up my my computer in such a way that I can. Uh, jump on during the stream even if it's only like audio with you as well uh i should be able to do that
1: yeah let's do it definitely
0: all right and that is going to do it for us today thank you and see you next week
1: Extra Turns, now starring Kieran Instead of Al, he's been kicked off. He's no longer the host of Extra Turns, except for he will probably be back next week. Uh, so as you guys all know, I'm part of an excellent trivia website called Learned League, www.learnedleague.com. It's a it's an amazing trivia website. You you sign up and you get to you get a daily quiz where you have to fight one on one against an opponent and uh, and answer six general knowledge trivia questions against them. But also on the off days, people uh, on the site offer themselves up and they come up with the one day specials uh, on various different topics. So since we're one on one this week, I'm going to go back in time. So this quiz is from May the 10th 2016 and it is the Learned League one day special Magic the Gathering and I'm going to ask David Wolf the 12 questions of the quiz.
0: Oh wow. This is uh this is shocking actually. I'm a bit surprised that there was a Magic the Gathering one. I didn't There was. I didn't. know you will do you will do very well because
1: keep in mind this is for a general trivia audience. So you are like the expert at this. This is like mastermind Except for this is your specialist subject, and they didn't realize it was your specialist subject. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, so you ready? Yeah. Okay, question one. Black Lotus, Ancestral Recall, Time Walk, Time Twister, Mox Pearl, Mox Sapphire, Mox Jet, Mox Ruby, and Mox Emerald make up a complete set that is best known as what?
0: Hmm, tough one to start off with. Yeah. I'm going to go with Power Nine.
1: You are correct. Question two. The Spark Mage shrieked, calling on the rage of the storms of his youth. To his surprise, the sky responded with a fierce energy he'd never thought to see again. This somewhat meta flavor text appears on the Magic 2010 reprint of what card?
0: I will say Lightning Bolt.
1: Correct. Question three. In nineteen ninety-seven, a computer game version of Magic: The Gathering was released by MicroProse. To distinguish the game from its cardboard equivalent, it is commonly referred to by what name after the plane on which it is set?
0: Um, Chandelier? Correct. Nice.
1: Okay, this one, uh, this one, this one's very funny. It just says, "Identify this man." So I'm going to have to just paste the link to you in the chat, Wolf. <laughs>
0: Identify this man. Yeah. Alright, uh, alright, let me click on this link. Identify this man. <laughs> um this is a wonderful, wonderful picture which I've seen many times at the top of a uh, a Monday a Monday design article from the one and the only uh, Mark Rosewater.
1: Incorrect. That is Gideon Jura. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> no, correct, it is Mark Rosewater. Question five. According to a likely also, in case you guys, I know you. everyone listening thinks these questions are too easy, but imagine if you had never played Magic the Gathering before and you heard someone just nail these questions one after the other. You'd be fucking amazed. <laughs> so there.
0: You'd be so shocked.
1: Yeah. So question five, according to a likely apocryphal story from the early years of the game, a tournament player achieved major success with what card, which he would rip up and throw at his opponent's permanence? <laughs>
0: Uh, Chaos Orb.
1: (laughs) Correct. Question six. Delver of Secrets, Archangel Abyssin, Huntmaster of the Fells, and Jace Wrynn's Prodigy are among the 70 cards that share what notable distinction?
0: Uh, they're double-sided.
1: Correct. Double-faced, technically, but we'll give you it. Okay, okay. Okay. Question seven. Despite decades of popularity, magic is infrequently advertised on television. In one of the few memorable commercials for the game, who did the designer send in to battle an orc when Raging Goblin is out sick? Um This is like a very old magic meme that you might not get, because it definitely was never existed here.
0: Yeah, no, I feel like I've seen this ad, um, but I really cause like this, yeah, I'm pretty sure this ad was like actually televised in America and not anywhere. Yep. Um so I'm not sure. Hold on, let me think for a second. Uh, no, I have no idea.
1: The answer, if I told you uh, it was it was similar to Dark Confidant, would that give you a hint?
0: Similar to Dark Confidant? Um, no. No.
1: The answer is Bob from Accounting.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yes, I remember this now. I remember this now.
1: There you go. All right. Question eight. Fans of green mana, tribal synergies, and horrible flavor text should know that... Plucking the chicken, spring follows winter, and sharpen your ears are all examples of what? Be specific.
0: Hold on, say that again.
1: So fans of green mana, yeah. tribal synergies, so those are two big hints, yeah. and horrible flavor text should know that quote, plucking the chicken, quote, spring follows winter, and quote, sharpen your ears. Are all examples of what? Be specific.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm going to just go with, I, I don't know specifically, so I'm just going to say like flavor text on elves, elf cards.
1: I'll give you that. The answer is Elvish Expressions.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Okay, here we go. Question nine. The storyline of early magic sets as well as supplemental novels included a war between which two brothers?
0: Erza uh, and Mishra.
1: Correct. Question ten. At Grand Prix Las Vegas in 2015, Pascal Maynard sent the magic community into a tizzy when he rare drafted a foil version of What Card during his top eight draft. He ended up losing, lacking the future sight to take Burst Lightning instead. Though fittingly, the card's price continued to grow over the following week.
0: <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, it, is. Foil, it is foil Tarmogoyf.
1: It yeah. is foil Tarmogoyf. Okay, question eleven identify this set by its symbol and i'm gonna to have to just paste you the uh paste you the uh the symbol Okay. is now butting it in the chat where i'm sending you the pictures by the way
0: uh, oh yeah um see this is one where sometimes i just have no idea the symbols like today i was in our local shop and uh they've recently expanded their their range of um of boosters available behind the counter. They have a, a lovely big wall with uh, boosters going back as far as, like, Scars of Mirrodin and stuff. And they have uh, they have the, the little section for uh, Return to Ravnica block. And mm-hmm. But in, in the Dragon's Maze part, they just have a core set 2020 um, box with Dragon's Maze written on it, because for some reason they don't have a box for Dragon's Maze. And That's I... Man, I have no idea what the set symbol for Dragon's Maze is. I don't think I've ever seen it before.
1: I know it. Do you? I think... It's like a labyrinth, I think, right? Is this? I have no idea. I think so. I don't know. Anyway, this one is not Dragon's Base. I'll
0: tell you that. This one is not. I do know this one. This is uh, Ravnica City of Guilds,
1: I want to say. Correct. Oh, very good. So you've only missed one so far. So we're on to the last question. And I'm sorry for the listeners again, but it's another visual one. Question 12. Pictured here are notes on the design of what card. Okay, I'm going to read out the design file for the card. Okay. You're going to get it instantly anyway. All right. Ick, didn't this used to be when a crypt creature is put into a graveyard draw two? I like that way better. Comment two, I too liked it better the old way. Comment three, team agrees that sack theme isn't working out, switching back. Comment four, should this be better? Comment five, fiddled with numbers to make it better. Also swapped rarities with whisper silk cloak. Comment six, this thing has to be good in some bizarre deck.
0: Um... I'm actually not sure. I have an idea, but
1: read it again. I'll send you. I'll send you the image. Yeah. I feel like this thing has to be good. In some bizarre deck, is one of the most cursed magic comments of all time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did this used to be when a crypt creature is put into a graveyard draw two? I like that way. May way better. I too like it better. The old way. Team agrees that Sacmi team isn't working out. Switching back. Should could this be better?
1: I have to call the clock on you, Wolf.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, uh, my instinct is um, school clamp.
1: Correct. Very good.
0: Nice. Nice.
1: So out of the magic quiz, you got 11 out of 12, uh, which would put you into 66th place on Learn League.
0: Ah, I mean, so that's
1: pretty good. That's pretty insane for a one day special, like 65 people also getting perfect scores shows how insane this website is and how nerdy that they all know about Magic the Gathering. Yeah. So fair play.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we did we did pretty well on the uh on the Irish Republicanism quiz as well, didn't we?
1: Oh yeah. I got like top twenty, I think. Insane. There you go. You well know, personally me I got top twenty. You guys got you guys did pretty well, but uh not as well as me.
0: Not as well. Saying. That's fair, that's fair. And and we also did it together that time. So true. All right. Well, I'm glad that I am the 66th best person in the world at magic. Uh, that's how that works.
1: Yep. Correct. Uh, yep.
0: And we're gonna leave it at that. And uh, that's gonna do it for us this week. Bye bye.